Welcome to Living Truth Radio, a ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship with Pastor Michael Lance. It is our goal to build up believers and reach out with God's truth to all people. Now here's today's message with Pastor Michael. Take your Bible, open it to Acts chapter 13. If you don't have a Bible, hopefully there's one near you that you can look on to. We're going to pick up where we left off, continuing a verse-by-verse study through the book of Acts. And today we're going to be looking at proclaiming the promise of God. It's found in Acts 13. We'll be looking at verses 13 through 52. Before we go any further, let's pray. Father, so grateful to be in your house today with your people, grateful for the choir singing praises to you, and we pray that you were blessed, because worship is not just about us coming together, it is about us blessing you. It's about us glorifying your name. And I pray that you would be honored as we study your word now. That you would bless the person who's come. Uh, You know they're here. You know why they've come. And I pray that you would minister to their heart. Draw everyone close to you. Encourage us as we look back on a year and look forward to a new year. We're blessed that you've given us another year of life. And we want to live it to the full. We ask for the guidance of your Holy Spirit as we dive into your word, help us to make the right application and uh, to be true to what it says. And then, Father, I just want to pray that we would respond to it in a way that would honor you so that we would not only be hearers of the word, but doers who actually do what we hear. So, Father, help us with that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, so last time we were together, we looked at Paul and Paul and Barnabas went together to the island of Cyprus and they began the famous missionary journeys and they came to the hometown of Barnabas. His name means son of encouragement. Just so you can have a feel, Jerusalem's down here. So they had gone up. Remember that Antioch was the first place they were called Christians. And from there they sailed to the island of Cyprus. This happened to be Barnabas' hometown. They started in Salamis there on the uh, east side moved about 90 miles across the island to Paphos. Paphos was the capital of this particular island, and that's where they encountered kind of the governor of the island. His name was Sergius Paulus. And he was hearing about the exploits of Paul and Barnabas and them sharing this news about Jesus Christ, and so they were interested. So they asked for audience. He asked them to come in and share the word of God, and there they went right into this area, the capital and they began to share the word. And next to the, the leader of the island was a man named Bar-Jesus. You remember him? He was also known as, known as Elimus the Magician. And he was trying to get in the way of the preaching of the gospel. And Paul, in his very politically correct nature, said, You son of the devil. And all Christians said, I can add that to my vocabulary. That's wonderful. You son of the devil. That's biblical. You... You are against everything that's right. I'm paraphrasing. How long will you continue to make crooked the straight ways of the Lord? And Paul said, Behold, the hand of the Lord is upon you, and you will be blind, and you will not be able to see the sun. And because he got in the way of the truth of the gospel, he was blinded, and he looked for somebody to lead him by the hand. In an excavation, archaeologically speaking, They've discovered uh, some writing that says Sergius Paulus on this particular island not only became a Christian, but so did his family. 
And so it was a great day for the gospel. Shut down this evil uh, magician guy, uh, Sergius Paulus, the leader of the island, becomes a Christian, and apparently all his family. But then something hard happens. And we, we ended with this last, last time. Now, this is Acts 13.13. 13. It says, Now Paul and his companions put out to sea from Paphos and came to Perga in Pamphylia. And John left them, that's John Mark, and returned to Jerusalem. So just a little bit more on the map. They're here. They sailed, probably uh, landed here at Italia. Now they're in the area of what's called Asia Minor. This whole region was known as the Galatian region. And you're going to see in a moment why that is so important, because a few months after this encounter, Paul will write the letter to the Galatians, and it will be filled with a lot of what he preaches about, about being free in Christ, not going back to the works of the law to think that you can be justified in that sense. So they landed there, they went into Perga, and then they ended up, I think this is about 175 miles inland, to the place called Pisidian Antioch. Now, this was the major center for this area. It had a temple to the Greek goddess Artemis. Her Roman name is Diana. Had a big theater there, very pagan area. And here's where Paul went. We have no evidence that he preached in Perga, but there are, there is some speculation that Paul actually contracted malaria in this part of the world and on the coast. And malaria, obviously, is a very serious situation. In Galatians 4.13, Paul says, in writing Galatians, as you know, it was because of an illness that I first preached the gospel to you. So Paul may have moved inland to get a more suitable climate to deal with malaria. The Galatian believers, uh, he said to them, if it were possible, you would have given me your eyes. It may have affected his eyesight. But one thing I want to tell you is no matter where you are with your health right now, no matter what you may be facing in terms of how your body is functioning, Paul had some serious medical issues. That's probably why Dr. Luke traveled with him to begin with, and yet he preached the gospel in these regions and was used effectively by God. But I want to show you something else that struck me in the text. Right after this great victory, three missionaries are together. You got Paul, Barnabas, and Mark, John Mark, he bails. One of the three uh, leaves, and uh, he left, we find from the book of Acts in Pamphylia. Just uh, go to the right and go to Acts chapter 15, and notice what happens as a result of this departure. Acts 15.37 says, Barnabas was desirous of taking John, called Mark, along with them also. This is later now. But Paul, Acts 15.38, kept insisting that they should not take him along who had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. And there arose such a sharp a disagreement that they were separated from one another. Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed away back to Cyprus. Notice, but Paul chose Silas and departed, being committed by the brethren to the grace of the Lord. This issue became such a difficult disagreement between Paul and Barnabas that this dynamic duo, used mightily by the Lord, divided over this individual. They separated. And it had to be disappointing to have one person abandon the work. And I just want to say this to you. This is something that struck me as I was contemplating this message. Is sometimes, you know, in the Christian life, we have people that move back from a previously committed uh, uh, testimony. 
They start well. They Maybe they're side by side in a ministry with you, and then they're gone. And when you lose one of three people, that could have completely stopped the mission. They could have just said, you know what? Maybe we need to go back to Jerusalem and pray about this some more. Maybe we need to consider just, you know, uh, uh, not going on the missionary trip. And it could have stalled things before it even got started. But I want you to see verse 14 says, but going on. From Perga, they arrived at Pisidian Antioch. And I just want to encourage you, some of you need to mark that. Some of you need to mark that for 2014 going on. We need to press on. Paul would say in Philippians 3.14, I'm not looking what's behind. I'm pressing on towards the goal of the upward call in Christ Jesus. I'm going to continue to run the race. You're going to be disappointed at times by other Christians. Uh, There's a lot of people who claim to be believers who fall back from a previous commitment, and sometimes that hurts us. Sometimes we wonder, can I continue if other people are falling by the wayside? And the fact is, you can. And here's the good news. At at the end of Paul's life, and this, this early part of Acts 13 is indicative of Paul's life, great highs and great lows, sometimes some personal hurts that he had. As a matter of fact, in 2 Timothy 4.11, the last chapter he wrote, he said, only Luke is with me. But then he said, pick up Mark and bring him with you, for he is useful to me for service. Even though Mark had withdrawn, it could have been that maybe he romanticized what missions would be like. Maybe the travel was difficult. Maybe he saw Paul get malaria and thought to himself, you know what? No way. I'm not going on. Maybe he saw the rugged mountains, the difficult travel, the potential for robbers to steal stuff from them. Maybe he saw the conflict of people who would oppose the gospel and he decided to give up and go back. But at the end of his life, he became, at Paul, end of Paul's life, he became useful again. And as a matter of fact, Mark wrote one of the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And so if you've fallen back from a previously committed position, there's still hope for you to get back in the race. Keep going on. And they went on from Perga, and they arrived at Pisidian Antioch. Now, speaking of pressing on, I was listening to the radio and I heard um, some clips from an interview where Nagme Abedini, her husband Saeed, is now in prison in Iran and we've been updating you on his situation. He's been moved to a worse prison. Uh, they've withheld medical treatment from him. He has an eight-year sentence looming over his head. So Nagme Abedini, the wife, uh, they have a seven and a five-year-old, Uh, She went to our government, and Congress did do some things to try to help her, and there seemed to be some positive movement. But then we sat back at the table, the negotiation table with Iran again, and we sat across from his captors, an American citizen, illegally in an Iranian prison, and we said nothing about him. So Nagme went before the, the U.S. representatives, and she began to share the story. And she said, my husband had a radical encounter with Jesus in 2000. Now, she's before our government. She said he found true joy, love, and peace that he could not find in his former religion. He had been a Muslim. She added, he will not deny the faith that has saved him and given him life. Holding up a picture of her children, Abedini also expressed the pain of living without her husband and father. She then read a letter written by Abedini to his daughter on her seventh birthday. 
To sum up the letter, he said to his daughter, I'm so sorry I missed your birthday. He said, I came to Iran to help in an orphanage. You know that. I tried to help kids without mommies and daddies. And sadly, now you're without a daddy. And he said, I'm so sorry. It brings me to tears to even think about you and look at your picture and write this letter. And so uh, Nagme goes on and says to our government officials, you know what? My kids have cried themselves to sleep this whole time. My husband's been in prison for 444 days. She said, I don't know if he'll serve the eight years. I don't know if he will serve more time than that. As a matter of fact, I don't even know if he'll make it. And she said, I feel like I was let down by my own government. And it was, it was a telling thing. And she, she goes on to say these things. Uh, she talks about the hope in Christ. And then uh, she says to our government officials, this is a little bit before Christmas, as we approach Christmas, which is a joyful time of the year, but is painful, a painful time for our family, I want to end with this. And she shared these words. Unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the government shall rest upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. She closed her Bible and said these words. And in this season... I not only pray for the release of my husband, but I hope and pray that our government would realize where we have fallen from and how far we have fallen and that we would return to the source of blessing. May God bless America, the land that I love. And I was driving down the road and I had shivers down my spine and tears in my eyes because a woman of God with great courage called out our government leaders, and called them to return to God. And she opened her Bible in front of them and was not afraid to share the truth of the Bible. How far we have fallen. Now there is hope in America, and I know you guys are part of that hope. You're sitting here in a church because you believe in Jesus Christ. You believe in the hope of the gospel. And if you don't, I pray that you will leave here believing now, why did they go to Pisidian Antioch? Partly, perhaps, for the uh, climate. And Pisidian Antioch was named, for, um, named by the I after his father, Antiochus. And he went to different regions and named different areas. And so this is the, the basis of the name. It was a very pagan area, but it did have a synagogue. So here's what Paul did. After the reading of the law and the prophets, they had sat in the synagogue in the previous verse. The synagogue officials sent to them, saying, Brethren, if you have any word of exhortation or a message of encouragement for the people, say it. Now here's Paul, and the first thing that I wanted to give you for 2014 is press on. Uh, And I'm going to give you some words that begin with a P. Press on. Keep going. The second thing is I want to encourage you, if you want to be Active in evangelism, find a point of contact. Paul went into the synagogue because he was Jewish. And he knew, he was familiar with the service, and he knew that he would probably have an open door to share with people. And you and I need to look for points of contact in 2014. It may be where you work, it may be your neighborhood, it may be a hobby that you enjoy, maybe a person that you know in school who is struggling or whatever the case, look for an open door to share your faith. Look for a point of contact. I can talk about sports. I can talk about motorcycles. I can talk about a lot of different things, politics. 
but eventually my hope is always to swing from the natural to the spiritual. And that's the way you have to think as a Christian. You have to start your day saying, Lord, I want to be your ambassador. I may start in the natural with this person, but I'm going to swing to the spiritual and see if the door opens. And notice when the invitation is given, they said, hey, if anybody has a word of encouragement, this may be a, have been agreed upon uh, earlier before the service started. The leader says, say it. Now, Paul was dressed as a rabbi, so that may have given him an opportunity, or maybe he introduced himself before the synagogue service. A typical synagogue service had an opening prayer. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God. The Lord is one. Then they would have a Torah portion. They would often read from the minor or major prophets, from the books of Moses and even the Psalms. And I'm going to show you how I think that some of what Paul shares is from the Torah portion. And then they would have somebody preach a message based upon the Bible's reading. And you might ask, why do we do church the way we do church today? Well, largely based upon synagogue worship. They would do a reading, and then someone would give a sermon based upon the Torah portion that was read. That's what we do here. We go through the Bible because we see the value of the Word of God. If anybody has a word of encouragement, say it. Now, sometimes at Christmas, we feel pressure because we have unbelieving family members. This year, we had our typical family joined together, and sometimes, you know, maybe you guys experience this, we have one in the group that's always trying to rush the spiritual things. Come on, come on, let's pray, all right, the food's getting cold, let's go. That's when you ask one of the little kids in the family to pray, and they'll go something like this. And I pray for our napkins, and I pray over our forks, and I pray over the spoons, and I thank you for my new teddy bear, and just let them go on and on and on. It'll drive that person crazy. So anyway, so I decided to take Luke chapter 2, and I read a portion of the Christmas story. And so as I read it to the family, this person that we were worried about said, it is refreshing to see that there's a family in this country that knows what Christmas is all about. That's from the guy that we thought was the critic. And so you never know what God's going to do. If you have an opportunity, end of verse 15, say it. Now Paul was patient, and here's another P word, press on, uh, point of contact. He was patient. He had to look for an opportunity. He had to wait for the appropriate time of the service. He didn't stand up and say, hey, I got a message for everybody. Listen. He waited to the appropriate time. And we don't have to be a bull in a china shop. We don't have to beat people over the head with our family Bible. You're going to listen to me now. They won't listen. But if you wait for the appropriate time, God will open a door. And this word for exhortation means to call to or to encourage or even to bring comfort. You know, the word of God can bring comfort to an empty soul. Sometimes we're so hesitant to share the word of God. And then when we, we share it with somebody, they go, oh my goodness, thank you. Or you say to somebody, can I pray for you? I mean, how many people are going to say, no, I don't want you to pray for me? No. Right? People will be open to spiritual things. And in the holidays is always a great time. And so Paul, with the open door, stood up. Verse 16 and motioning with his hand, I think Paul was partly Italian, he was motioning with his hand, um, I think Jewish people do this as well, he said, men of Israel, and you who fear God, listen. Now that's a good way to open up a sermon. Jews are there, Gentiles are there, listen up. I've got a message to share. 
He begins, the God of this people, Israel, chose our fathers and made the people great during their stay in the land of Egypt. Now, he's going to emphasize a lot of God's activity in the nation. And with an uplifted arm, he led them out from it. That is out of Egypt in the Exodus. And for a period of about 40 years, would you notice in verse 18, he put up with them in the wilderness. As the old VeggieTale says, we didn't have a lot of fun in the desert. What's wrong with you guys today? You can laugh a little. It's, it's all right. And so they went through the desert and it was tough. And they did a whole lot of whining and God put up with them. And the word for the phrase put up is a single Greek word and it means to put up with somebody's habits or endure their character. And in 2014, some of you are going to need to put up with other people. And you're like, that's right. Because there's a lot of difficult people around. And i got to put up with them. And I've got news for you. They're putting up with you, too. We always do this when we hear stuff like that. Yeah, you see, i got to put up. Well, they're putting up with you, too. So this is for you, too. It's okay. You can receive it. Anyway, so he put up with them in the wilderness. And when he, God, destroyed seven nations, Deuteronomy 7.1 is a good reference there, in the land of Canaan, 19... He distributed their land as an inheritance, all of which took about 450 years. Now remember, Paul's in the synagogue preaching, and he sums up kind of the history of his people. They were in Egypt for 400 years. They wandered in the wilderness for how many? 40 years. It took them about 10 to conquer the part of the land of Canaan that they did conquer. That's about 450 years. And after these things, he gave them judges until Samuel, the prophet, 21. And then they asked for a king. That was a mistake. And God gave them Saul, the son of Kish, a man of the tribe of Benjamin for 40 years. Now the guy delivering the message was named Saul. And then he changed his name to Paul or his Roman name he took on. And he knew a little bit about Saul's history. The people asked for a king and Samuel the prophet got upset. And he went to the Lord and the Lord said, why are you angry? They haven't rejected you. They've rejected me from being king over them. Go ahead and give them what they want. And sometimes when we get what we want, it's definitely not the best thing for us. And Saul was a poor leader. And the reason he was a poor leader is he acted a lot in his flesh. And he always tried to do things really without being in the center of the will of God or he became impatient. And at the end of Saul's life, he said these words. He said, I've erred exceedingly and played the fool. You don't want to come to the end of your life and say, I've been very foolish and made a bunch of mistakes. Now Paul, who's preaching the message, started his life like that, obviously, but then he was transformed. And he says, after he, God, verse 22, removed him, that is Saul, the first king, he raised up David. Notice this is all God's activity. God removed, God raised up. Psalm 75, 7 says, God is the judge. He puts down one and he exalts another. God is on the throne. And he raised up David to be their king. Concerning whom, that is concerning David, he also testified. God's testimony of David is this. I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my heart who will do all my will. Now, if you want to know what a man after God's own heart is about, if you want to be a woman after God's own heart in 2014, a person after God's own heart is somebody who does how much? All his will. 
It's said of an elder in the New Testament that an elder is not to be self-willed. He is to be God-willed. I have a question. When the Bible conflicts with something you want to do, do you obey the Bible or do you say, oh, that kind of cramps my lifestyle, so I'm going to ignore that. That doesn't really apply to me. The reason that David was a man after God's own heart is he would be a man who would do all of God's will. You want to do that? I don't think the world has yet seen a man who will do all of God's will or a woman who will do all of God's will. God is looking for leaders. If you would like to listen to this message, or if you would like more information about the ministry of Living Truth, please visit our website at livingtruthcorona.org. That's livingtruthcorona.org. Can you imagine the old cultural divides that they had back then between the Jews and the Gentiles? And the Jews thought themselves exclusive, saying, we have the true and living God, and you guys are nothing but the embers made for hell. And when they hear, I'm sure they've heard the, the history, the stories of this living God, what he's done for them, for the children of Israel, helping them through the desert, protecting them through all these things. And then they, they bring up the, the scripture saying, I'm going to be a light for the Gentiles then which is going to include them, and they're like, wow, how cool is that? And what is also interesting at the end of this chapter, Oscar, is we have kind of some classic verses about uh, God's sovereignty and election and free will. Because it says, as many as were appointed to eternal life believed, but then earlier in the chapter, Paul says, basically, since you repudiate the gospel and judge yourselves unworthy of eternal life, we are turning to the Gentiles. And so it's interesting that by pushing away the gospel, they had judged themselves. They, they didn't want to accept eternal life. And, you know, we always want to end our broadcasts, Oscar, by asking people who are listening, because we believe God ordains this time. And maybe, you know, you've, you're a, a listener right now. Maybe this is the first time you've ever listened to Christian radio. Maybe you just, you were turning the dial. You're sick of the same old, same old. And all of a sudden you hear people, voices like this. And by the way, we're just two ordinary men saved by God's grace. Uh, he came looking for us, and I'm sure he's looking for you right now. And you know what? You, you have to make a decision whether or not you're going to trust in Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. He offers eternal life. That's just not just about quantity. That's about quality. Thank you for listening to today's program. Our mission is to get the truth of God's Word out. This is our passion. We want to impact as many people as possible. And we have an opportunity to expand this radio program, and we need you, the listener, to partner with us in prayer and in giving. You can give to our ministry through our website at livingtruthcorona.org. That's livingtruthcorona.org. I want to invite you to visit our website at livingtruthcorona.org to get more familiar with our church fellowship. If you live in the Inland Empire and don't have a church home, come and worship with us. We have a wonderful church family that meets here in the city of Corona. Our service times are 9 and 11.15 a.m. You can get more information about that at the website. That's livingtruthcorona.org.
God bless you.